Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24. Again, welcome home. I know the vacation season is now over and we can get back into the swing of things. And Welcome to all of our visitors. And let me say again how much I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you after service today. Praise God. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, They beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the wind blew, beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Today I want to speak to you for a few minutes on this subject Will your foundation withstand hurricanes? Will your foundation withstand hurricanes? God bless you. you may be seated. I would be remiss if I didn't take my text at face value. Jesus said, It rained. And it kept raining. And it kept raining. And if it keeps raining, guess what you're going to have? Floods. And then if you have floods and you add wind, in its harshest form, 165, 175 mile an hour winds with that kind of rain and flooding, you have hurricanes. We are very familiar with hurricanes now in the last week and a half or so, and there are more to come. We've been made aware of that. First it was Texas, now it's Florida, and that's just mentioning the United States. We're not mentioning Cuba, we're not mentioning islands, We're talking about extreme devastation. And we as American Christians are at our best in difficult times. I've noticed this about about us. When things are good, we tend to drift away from God. It's almost like we don't even need him, much less do we acknowledge him. We just drift from him. But when things really get bad, Somebody rises up and says, we got to take an offering. And pretty soon you've got $20 million. And people all over the country sending money to the Red Cross and different groups such as even us as Christians are doing. We've got people streaming down to Texas and into Florida to try and help because that's what we do as the United States 
of America, but it's also what we do as Christians. We help one another. We care about one another. We're concerned about our churches and our brothers and sisters in Christ. That doesn't mean we're not concerned about people that are not Christians. We care about them too. But we're concerned. But you know something that really bothers me that I haven't heard a lot of talk about? We can talk about food. We can talk about rescue. But what about a person's spirit at a time like this? What about the tremendous loss of all things, maybe even of lives, not just the possessions, but the loss of all things? How does a person deal with that? I appreciated the Bible study that I heard this morning from Brother Zenobia. It's not God doing this, folks. The root word of God is go. And the root word of devil is evil. Isn't that a great revelation? I didn't see one person reach for a pen. It's just too simple, isn't it? We already know this stuff. God is good all the time. All the time. But there are going to be disasters and there are going to be difficulties and there's going to be problems and, and there's going to be the loss of loved ones and there's going to be disease. These things are going to come to our life. They are going to be absolutely devastating. And what are you built on? What causes you to be able to stand in a storm? How is it that some crumble while others stand tall? What is the difference? The difference is foundation. You know, one of the things that we, we don't even think twice about in Wisconsin is basements. Man, I, I wouldn't build a house without a basement. You wouldn't either. A basement is a wonderful place to store things. It's a place to, if a tornado would come your way, that's where people head. They head toward a basement. Some of them have been fixed up and even used as living quarters. Basements are wonderful. Basements are a part of a foundation of a house. And even if a tornado takes a house off, I've never seen a basement pulled out of the ground. I've never seen a foundation blowing in the breeze. The foundation remains. See, it gets underground and it becomes solid and the house attaches itself to the foundation. Now, the attachment might falter, but the foundation will not falter. We better be built on Jesus Christ and nothing less. If we're built upon our money, if we're built upon our ability, if we're even built just only on our unity, it is not enough. It's not enough. Let me share this with you. I found it this, this week. I, I thought it was really interesting. Solomon's temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC on the date in the Jewish calendar of the 9th of AV. That's a month of theirs. The 9th of AV, 587. The second temple was destroyed by the Romans on exactly the same date in 70 AD. What a coincidence. 
Rome's destruction of the temple began in 66 AD when Roman Emperor Nero appointed General Vashpian to put down a revolt in Judea. Almost immediately after he gave that order, Rome began to experience chaos. Nero committed suicide. You might not know this. Suicide, 68 AD. He only lived two years after he started this. His successor was a man by the name of Galba. He was assassinated within eight months. The next successor was Otho. He committed suicide in two months. And his successor, Vestalus, was executed in eight months. These people, most of them, never even lived a year after what they did to Israel. Vespasian was the next emperor, and he had a son. The son's name was Titus. Titus continued the conquest of Judea. He surrounded Jerusalem. He starved the inhabitants for months, and anybody that deserted was executed and crucified outside of the very walls before the walls came down. By the end of July 70 AD, the Roman army broke through the walls and Jerusalem was completely conquered by September the 8th, 70 AD. The historian Josephus recorded that over one million Jews were killed in this siege. And here's the, the most important thing you can hear about this story. The Jewish temple was so completely destroyed that only the foundation stones of the temple mount were left. Today, they are the bottom walls of the Wailing Wall. What's the message here? You can destroy this temple, Jesus said, but in three days, I'm gonna raise it up. You can knock down Solomon's temple, but you can't destroy the foundation. People today are still going to the wailing wall, placing their hands on it, putting prayer requests in it. The foundation is still there from the temple. The foundation of our lives must be prayer. It must be our relationship with God. If it is not, all would be lost. So let me go back and remind you that our foundation must be on Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 and 10 says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another will build thereon but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ that's the foundation my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness that has to be our foundation, and that foundation will not crumble.
it will not crumble. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Simon Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the son or the flesh of God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this foundation I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I am so thankful for the revelation as to who Jesus is. He is the Christ. He is the flesh of God. He is the savior of the world. He is the redeemer of lost souls. He is the provider of all things. That's the foundation. Peter, you figured it out. This revelation as to who I am, this is what I'm gonna build the church on. It's not just semantics. Well, is Jesus the second person of a trinity or is he a prop? No, no, no. You need this revelation as to who Jesus is because everything of importance is built on it. If you understand that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, then it's easy to understand why to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. Easy, simple. Listen to what was said in Acts chapter four. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, and now it is the head of the corner. It is the foundation of our faith. It is what keeps us strong and stable. It is what allows us to go through the storms. And neither, verse 12, is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wow, that's a mouthful. There is no other name that can save you. There is no other foundation that will stand when the storms of life come or even the judgment of God. You know, one of the things my pastor used to say, he used to say, you know, we can argue about a lot of things. But one day we're all gonna stand before God individually and your pastor's not gonna be there Your mom and dad aren't going to be standing next to you. You're going to be standing before God all alone. And what's your answer going to be to the questions he asks? Jesus, I was baptized in your name on February the 28th, 1973. And the reason I did that was because that apostle right there preached an Acts 2.38 message and he had the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I did exactly what your word told me to do. 
This apostle over here said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. And I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on June the 5th, 1973 with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I followed your word. I didn't trust a man. I didn't trust a religion. I had my own experience with God that matched up with the word of God. And you said, heaven and earth will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But you said, my word, that's the foundation. That will never pass away. Psalm 127 and 1, except the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We better have a strong foundation. Because when the storms come, see the two houses that Jesus described, important point, they each had the same things come against them. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. I don't care if you're a Christian. If you're living in Florida and that storm comes through, you're probably going to get wet. Well, I'm a Christian. God won't let me get wet. Guess what? You're probably going to get wet. Now, God can keep you. But that storm's coming through. So there's going to be some rain in your life. There's going to be some flooding. And you're going to wonder if everything's going to be blown away. But if you're anchored on a sure foundation, your house is going to stand while others crumble. Now the other thing I want to share with you today is in Matthew chapter 13. We're talking about the word of God now and, and that being our foundation. So today, I would like to take some soil samples. That'd be all right? Let's take some soil samples. And every one of us will fall into one of four categories and you get to fill out your own report card today. Don't have to tell anybody else about it. But here it comes. We're taking soil samples today. Which soil are you? Matthew 13, 18, Jesus describes in detail the parable of the sower. When anyone, verse 19, hears the word of the kingdom, that's the seed. The word of God is the seed of the sower. It is certified seed. Nothing wrong with the seed. It's guaranteed to work. But the soil, now that's what we got to take a look at. He hears the word of the kingdom and he doesn't understand it. Then comes the wicked one, catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. It barely hits the ground and it's already gone. The second he that received the seed into stony places. The same as he that hears the word, and anon with joy he receives it. 
but he doesn't have any foundation. There's no roots in himself. And because he has no foundation, because he didn't go to the foundations class, didn't think he needed it, thought he was strong enough on his own, I've been in the church for years. He endured for a while, but when tribulation, persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he's offended. How many people have you seen like this? Then there's the third. He that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word. The care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, chokes the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Does not say he leaves. He stays. But he doesn't reproduce anything. What causes us to be unfruitful? It's right there. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. We're chasing the almighty dollar. We're all wrapped up in the things of this world and spiritually we are producing nothing. And then there's the fourth. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, and bears fruit, and harvests it, brings it forth, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Soil samples. Which soil am I? Which soil are you? To whom much is given, much is required. Let me stop here for a minute. Do you remember the parable of the talents? Was everybody equal? Did they all get the same number of talents? Okay. Five, three, and one, ten, five, and one, whatever parable you're referring to, they were not all equal. But what one thing did they all have in common? They all had at least one Maybe I'm only a one-talent person. But God expects a return on his one talent. He expects it. There are other people in this congregation, they have many more talents than I have. More will be required of you. So what is the one talent? Jesus said, you shall receive power once the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The one talent we do have, we're all witnesses. We have experienced Jesus. We are aware of his word. We are aware of his sacrifice. We are aware of his truth. 
we are aware of the new birth experience, we have that testimony. That's one talent that all of us have. After that, it could be anything. Could be anything. But take your talent and use it. Who's in the kingdom today because of my talent? Because I used my gift, my ministry to make a a difference in somebody else's life. The one guy said, well, Jesus, I knew I had that one talent, so, you know, I didn't want to lose that. So I took it and I buried it. And here it is. I've dug it up. I knew you were coming. They said you're coming. So here's what you gave me. I'm giving it back to you. And the Lord was so disappointed with that man and how he had taken his talent and put it in the soil, not to reproduce with it, but to bury it, that he said, I'm taking it back. Give me that talent. I'm going to give it to the one with ten Oh, Lord, wait a minute. He's already got 10. Isn't that just the way it is? The people that do the most do the most. And the people that do the least are looking to do less. Why is that? That's the way of the world. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. Here, Lord, thank you so much for this new birth experience. I'm gonna share that with as many people as I can. Well, what if they won't listen? Well, that's on them. That's a soil sample test. They're wayside people, maybe. You talk to them and it's in one ear and out the other. You talk to the next guy and he's all excited about it, but he doesn't last very long and he's out. And the third, well, they just hang on because I'm gonna take my one talent and give it to Jesus when I meet him. I hope you're not disappointed with what he might say because he expects a return in his investment. I'm going to conclude with this today. I've heard this saying in the world, and I, I don't agree with it. We're going to have a baby dedication today, and that's where we're going to, how we're going to wrap this service up today. Dan and Rachel have their baby girl with them today, Abigail, and we're excited about that. But they say that it takes a community to raise a child. I don't believe that. I believe it takes a family to grow a child, not a community, a family. I believe in a family. I believe in one man and one woman, married, serving Jesus Christ, and reproducing because of their love for one another and their desire to be fruitful and reproductive. That's what I believe in. That's called a family, a family. Now, you may not have children, but you're still a family. Husband and wife, that's a family. A church, that's a family. 
It is. Romans 8 and 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you're a son or a daughter of God, and I'm a son or a daughter of God, that makes us family. We got the same father. God is our father. The church is our mother. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's family. That's why we do the things we do for one another. That's why we pray with one another at an altar. That's why we pray one for another. That's why we help one another. When somebody needs help, we pitch in. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's family. And children, let me tell you something about children. They may not always hear you, but they always see you. Oh yeah, they're always watching. They're not always listening. You might have to tell them several times. You might have to get them by each shoulder and get in their face and say, did you hear what I just said? I've told you four times. You didn't hear me. But they will see you in their face. You now have their attention. I don't believe in abusing children, but I do believe in correcting children. I think if you spare the rod, you'll spoil the child. I don't think you have to beat them, but I do think you have to spank them. Didn't get too many amens there, but I don't care. I really don't care. I got, I got more spankings when I was a kid, and they didn't give me all that I deserved. My son, where's my son? Did you, did you ever get a spanking? Oh, yeah. All right, one lighthearted moment, and then I'll wrap this up. Nah, I'm not going to embarrass him. He got a lot of spankings. And he earned every one of them. Children should be raised PG, parental guidance. Amen? Parental guidance. That's what we need. That's the only rating we need for raising kids. Forget about M-A-R, whatever the other ones are. PG, that's it. Children need parental guidance. I'm going to conclude with this verse of scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 1. While you're turning there, I'll give you the verse when you get there. 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a woman named Hannah who could not have any children. She went to the priest, Eli, and and she asked him to intercede for her. To make a long story short, God granted Hannah's petition. And she had a son. And that son's name was Samuel. And Samuel was one of the greatest prophets Israel ever had and anointed the first three kings of Israel. And when Hannah weaned Samuel. She brought him to Eli and to the house of the Lord. And I'm going to read it from Dan and Rachel's perspective. 1 Samuel 1, 26. 
And Rachel said, oh my Lord, as my soul liveth my Lord, I, I am the woman that stood by thee praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord gave me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. And as long as she lives, she will be lent to the Lord. And they worship the Lord there. So we bring our kids to the house of God saying, this is the child that I prayed for. Thank you, God. And I'm going to bring this child to the house of the Lord and I'm going to do my best to be a godly parent in raising this child. And I want this church family to be a part of raising Abigail. And so, we bring our children to the altar. We ask that the ministry and the brothers and sisters in Christ gather around and we pray for this child and for this family and dedicate them to the Lord. And you know what? When you train up a child in the way he should go, Proverbs 22, 5, when he's old or when he finally matures, that could be a long while. He'll remember what he heard, what he felt, and what he experienced in the family of God. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.